a clip from Joan Mitchell's autobiography, her autobiographical film called Joan Mitchell, Portrait of an Abstract Painter. She's number two on my list. Well, actually, she's really number one, so I think I'll play this first. Number one. I'm just going to make a couple of clips that make sense to me, and then I'll talk about her. Do you think about, you know, the role that you've played historically? No. And its significance? No. In France, I'm an American gestural painter, which is a lyric on top of it, very pejorative. And here I'm Frenchy because I have color and I'm decorative. Ooh, ooh. So you can't win, honey. <laughs> and on top of it all, I'm a girl, a woman, female. They call me Sauvage in Europe, so I take it off. Because I'm direct and I don't speak the word. I say what I think and you're not supposed to. You're supposed to be diplomatic, which I call hypocrisy and lying, really. Lots of things women can't be. What? Sauvage is one of them. <laughs> People, I don't know, damning with faint praise or something like that, or being against me made me, uh, damn it, I'm going to do it or something. I mean, fight. Perhaps if I hadn't had to fight, I would have quit. I don't know. I doubt it, though. I stopped for about two weeks. And towards the end of that, and then, oh, couldn't I do just a little bit? <laughs> you know, I was like a little girl, I mean, you know, just a little bit. And then I s- said to myself, oh, hell with it, you know, go ahead. Because I have Big Joan and Little Joan. Big Joan is the super ego who says Little Joan is awful, you know. Now you. <laughs> but so we're getting friendlier together. And. <laughs> And Big Joan protects Little Joan, too. Little Joan paints. And Big Joan... Little Joan paints big paintings. Yeah, but little, Big Joan won't let people destroy Little Joan. Um, big Joan came here. Big Joan travels. Little Joan stays at home with the dogs. Mm-hmm. Why did you... Why did Little Joan stop for those two weeks? Because Big Joan was saying, if you're so depressed and do that, then we won't do that anymore. But it didn't work. No. Mm-hmm. Big Chum doesn't always get in my studio either. We kick her out, send her on vacation. <laughs> my paintings repeat a feeling about Lake Michigan or water or uh, fields. It's more like a poem, you know? That's what I want to paint.
Do you begin with the landscape? No. I'm with it all the time. I mean, I, I carry it with me. I've said that often. It's in my head. It's in my suitcase. <laughs> I had a dream about Joan in this room. And she was on the floor making pastels, just like Matt. That's not ever happened, but the I love the idea. She seemed to think it made more sense than not. Chicago. Down the Great Lakes, the wind and the weather. The lake to me was always in my nightmares. Crashing the waves. I fell into the lake. My father was pulling me on the sled, and I fell off, and he forgot about me. <laughs> but I had on a red beret so they could find me. No, that's not important. My mother sort of had a split life. She, she was a poet. And then she had children. She was deaf. And I always tried to be in her head what it would be like not to hear anything. She had a, a lot of feeling. I remember the last line of a poem I wrote in eighth grade. And bleakness comes through the trees without sound. self-made man. He's very do it. Not a very good picture of him. He would take us to the field museum or take us skating. Or take us to the art institute. to go out and when I was very little to the zoo and draw or go out and do watercolors. And my watercolors were, mm -hmm, and his were, mm -hmm. <laughs> He was very competitive with me. And he liked me if I won things, you know, medals for high diving or something. I was sort of, in my mind, a, a list of medals or whatever for him. Then I thought painting was completely out of competition and that would free me from him forever. And particularly abstract painting, but when I got there, 
he couldn't even criticize what it was, you know. And then I felt protected. That I remember so clearly. That's why the figure disappeared. Mm-hmm. Forever. <laughs> Forever. Yeah. I'm going to stop it there for now. Boy, what an emotional clip for me to listen to this morning. Um, so many things she said are right up my alley. And I have to say, I must be in the spot where I'm between two worlds at this point, where I'm still holding on to the figure for some reason, but my heart is in the abstract without the figure. And like her, it is about expressing who I am and being free to express that without having to explain it to anybody. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. More on Joan a little later. Good evening from Northern California. I'm going to add a little bit on to Joan Mitchell. We just heard her in her own words. And she was born in Chicago in 1925 after graduating from the School of Art Institute of Chicago in 47. She was awarded a James Nelson Raymond Foreign Traveling Fellowship, which took her to France for a year in 1948-49. And it was there that her paintings moved toward abstraction. Returning to New York, she participated in the famous Ninth Street Show in 1951 and soon established a reputation as one of the leading younger American abstract expressionist painters. She exhibited regularly in New York throughout the next four decades and maintained close relationships with many New York school painters and poets. In 1955, she began dividing her time between New York and France, and in 1968, she settled in Voithuil, a small town in the countryside outside of Paris, where she worked continuously until her death in 1992. I'll give you a little aside about Voithuil after I finish this. Um, During the almost 50 years of her painting life, as abstract expressionism was eclipsed by successive styles, Mitchell's commitment to the tenets of gestural abstraction remained firm and uncompromising. Summing up her achievement, Klaus Kertes, Kertes, wrote, She transformed the gestural painterliness of abstract expressionism into a vocabulary so completely her own that it could become ours as well. And her total absorption of the lessons of Matisse and Van Gogh led to a mastery of color inseparable from the movement of light and paint. 
her ability to reflect the flow of her consciousness in that of nature and in paint is all but unparalleled. Um, I'm reading this from her foundation that she has made for artists. She has a foundation that she gives money to emerging artists. And one other piece of it I wanted to share from that same website was a, a few sketchbook excerpts here from her sketch, sketchbook. And uh, it says here, from the archive, circa 1990 sketchbook, Joan Mitchell kept this sketchbook in or around 1990, at which point she had been living in the French town of Vuithoil. I hope I'm saying that right. Vuithoil, Heil. For over 20 years, her home and studio was surrounded by gardens and trees with an expansive view of the Seine and a very distinct quality of light. And... <clears throat> From the time she was a child living on the banks of Lake Michigan in Chicago, Mitchell was an extremely close observer of the visual world and with a heightened sensitivity developed over the four over four decades of intensive work, Mitchell was capable sorry, I, I put capture and able together, sorry. Mitchell was able to capture through color and gesture the sensations of being in the natural world, viewing colors and light deepen and alter through changes in weather and season. A number of the pastel and watercolor drawings in this sketchbook bear close relation to her shawl, fields and aub, trees, paintings and prints. Mitchell was at the height of her abilities at the time she kept the sketchbook, and each mark radiates confidence, tenderness, and an enormous gratitude towards the landscapes that surrounded her. Yes, um, the reason I wanted to read about her a little more and look at her um, time in... Voithoil was because I visited Voithoil in 2014. I stayed a week in, uh, I guess it was about five or six days in um, Verno, which is a little town right on the other side of um, the Seine um, from Giovanni. Giovanni is where Monet lived and worked and died at the end of his life. His uh, gardens are there. I was uh, painting in his gardens that year and then went up into Vuthoil and painted directly from the shore of the Seine River there in France, up there in the Normandy area. Um... Hoyle is where Monet also lived and Joan Mitchell lived and I wanted to be right in the thick of their artistic experience and environment. I had planned in my life, I had just left the library 
about uh, four months before that. And my plan was to travel over time into places where the masters painted. And I consider Monet one of my very special people that I look at, especially his later works when he was losing his eyesight and Joan Mitchell's works at her end of her life. And they both uh, were there and I couldn't believe it. So I had to go and paint on the shore of the sun in Voithel. It's the uh, way you spell it, and I'm saying it wrong, I'll have to look it up later. It's V as in Victor, E with a accent over the E, T-H-E-U-I-L, Vethuil is how I say it, but it's probably wrong. And I made a painting off the shores of the Seine and then went back into my little cottage that I was renting there and painted a couple of paintings about that same scene and the leaves on the uh, streets of the area I was staying in, Vernon. And I left one of the paintings in the cabin or the cottage for the owners. And they were so sweet. They had me over for dinner as part of my stay there. I brought them a bottle of wine and we had um, a typical French meal and it was a family meal. They had their son or let's see, it was their son. Yeah, I believe it was their son there. And husband and wife and <laughs> we talked about Monet's gardens and this woman was a docent at Giovanni. I told her I was a painter. They knew I was a painter when I was coming. And um, she offered, you know, for me to use any sort of supplies that she, that I found in the, the cottage to paint. I also bought some paints. So, yeah, it was um, quite an experience for me to be right in the area of both those two masters. And Joan Mitchell has over time spoken to me through her paintings. Um, I see her work in the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art. Every time I go, I look at her work. She's a very big influence for me. And I have her works, of course, um, in books here in the studio space. I've read her book, uh, Joan Mitchell, Lady Painter, A Life by Patricia Albers. That's a good book to read. Um, let me just read that to end this, this episode. This is the uh, first addendum to my female women artists that were not in the book of 50 women artists that I should know, which I found very, very shocking that Joan Mitchell's did not, Joan Mitchell did not make that. So here's the excerpt, excerpt from The Lady Painter. Um, one of Joan's favorite haunts, the smoke and stale beer perfumed San Remo, 
had blacker, black and white tiled floors, a pressed tin ceiling, a dark mirrored bar, and a clientele that, include, that included James A.G., Miles Davis, Judith Molina, Tennessee Williams, and young New York poets. There, Jane Freilicher <clears throat> used to observe Joan and Mike across the room, she in jeans and the tal- talismanic long leather coat, smoking, drinking, huddling conspiratorially over a little table and looking very French new wave. Besides painting, Jazz had held the two wrapped, a connoisseur of early Louis Armstrong, Buck Clayton, Bessie Smith. Mike knew everything and everybody, while Joan dug, above all, Charlie Parker, Ella Fitzgerald, and that fabulous Bee Holiday woman, Billie Holiday. Jazz had seduced her with its urban cast, moody romanticism, blend of discipline and instinct, an aura of freedom and authenticity. Trombonist and painter Howard Kanovitz, to whom she introduced Beethoven's late quartets, saw distinctly, however, that Joan, quote, wasn't really there as far as I was concerned. She was a square and we were hip. A very clear distinction as far as I was concerned. Although Joan smoked some grass like everybody else, that didn't make her hip. Mike Goldberg would, Mike Goldberg was hip, and Miles Forrest was hip, and Ray Parker was hip. But Joan didn't have rhythm in her soul. End quote. She did have a near mystical feeling for paint. Squeezed by the class she was taking at New York University, painting of the early Middle Ages, three weekly sessions with fried and a chock-a-block social life, Joan nonetheless painted hard all that fall, loading her brushes with blacks, whites, ochres, blues, and reds. She was producing muscular, jostling canvases, rife with ambiguities, complexities, and urban tensions, using Hoffman-esque push and pull. By the first of the year, Joan had what she considered 16 decent paintings. 15 of them squarish and around six by seven feet, and one cross-section of a bridge six and a half by nearly ten feet. In early January, these went to the new gallery, where they were installed by consultant Leo Castelli, the famous Leo Castelli in New York. Two flights above the Alcogan Hotel's Oak Room restaurant, the new gallery occupied the top floor at 63 West 44th Street. Up on 57th Street, Betty Parsons had invented the white box gallery, but the new gallery retained the staid gray walls and abbreviated neoclassical decor of an earlier day a modest outpost of the art world. In the theater district, it lacked the cachet of a 57th Street venue. Yet with the New Yorker 
a block away and Times Square just to the west, it enjoyed a little scene of its own, the cast party of the popular Broadway play I Am a Camera, starring Julie Harris, took place at the New Gallery during Jones' show. And it goes on with more from the book here on her website of the foundation. And I'm scrolling down, and it's quite long, so I'm not going to read it all into here, but you can get a feel for what her life was like. And the New York scene was the place to be, really. And um, let me see here. Boy, it goes on and on. This was excerpted from Joan Mitchell by Patricia Albers, copyright 2011. And it was with permission of NOMF, a division of Random House Incorporated. So I don't have permission to be really reading it into my cast. And I'm going to stop with that. But Joan has been one I look to in her work for as long as I've been painting, over 20 years. And uh, she'll always be someone I look to. I hope you enjoyed listening about Joan Mitchell. And that is the end of the first addendum to my 50 women artists in 50 days. Thanks for listening.